0: Hey, what's going on? This is The Doug Show. Welcome, I'm Doug Cunnington, and in this interview, I'm gonna talk to Dave Schneider. Dave's an old friend of mine, and he recently sold his SaaS company, that's software as a service, Ninja Outreach. So I bet a lot of you listening may have heard of Ninja Outreach, which is basically influencer outreach software. And cool thing is, Dave and I were in a mastermind group Back in the day, like roughly around the time that I was getting started online, like 2013, 2014, and Dave was getting started as well. So it's good to hear how, you know, he took a different path. He took it, you know, a, a different route to get to where he is now. And it, it was just cool catching up with him. He started doing a travel blog, and that's initially when we met. And and he made some mistakes over time like we all do, so he shares a lot of those. And we talk about a few other things like how he stays motivated and some of the projects he's working on now. This interview is kind of interesting to me because, you know, number one, Dave's a friend of mine, and I have known him since I got started. But Dave and I also met in person uh, at least a couple times. I I can't remember what what was first but we met in uh in the like boston area somewhere somewhere in massachusetts up there uh my wife and i and uh, brody our old dog at the time he and i <laughs> he being dave we met up at, at a bar um he was just a couple towns over um had a couple had a couple beers there as I like to do, and um, I think we we walked our dogs together, too. I think we met at a park and walked around, and, and my wife, Elizabeth, joined us as well. So it was cool catching up, and um, Dave and I actually worked on a couple projects together as well, or at least one project that it was like a side project that we like basically you know, we quit. I'll, I'll put a link to that story um, in the description. So if you're interested in hearing about that, uh, let me know. Actually, I could probably get Dave back on uh, the line and we could just talk about that as well. But so we met one time in, in uh, the Boston area and then another time we met as he and his now wife were, they were traveling through the Atlanta area. So they were driving through Georgia. Um, they're big travelers. Um, and especially during that, that period of their lives, they were traveling a ton. So they were, they were kind of, going through the general area that we were at. So he's, he and his uh, girlfriend stopped by girlfriend at the time wife now, and they uh, they stopped for lunch. So we chatted and I think they came over for a couple hours um, to maybe like, you know, catch up on some work Uh, in in the home office there so anyway let's get to the interview now that I'm rambling on and on and uh, thanks a lot Dave everyone be sure to check out uh, Dave's current projects now which are uh, like you can get to them at daveschneider.me lesschurn.io and growthpros.io. so those are a few links and you can get to them in the description Hey, what's up? Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project. I'm talking with my friend Dave Schneider. How are you? Doing well,
1: Doug. How are you doing?
0: Doing awesome. So thanks a lot for joining me today. And for the people that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of an intro, who you are and and what you're working on? And then we'll kind of go into the whole backstory um, after that.
1: Sure. Um I've been working online for, I don't know, about five or six years now, I guess. It started uh I was doing some traveling, that kind of led to digital nomading, that kind of led to maybe working a bit more full time online. Um messed around with a lot of different things, probably like you know, any entrepreneur. Uh but my, I guess my you know claim to fame, although it's not hardly you know too too famous, uh, would be starting in, in growing Ninja Outreach, which was a influencer marketing software. Um, you know, in the the digital marketing space, um, which I sold uh, this year in March. And since then, uh, you know, I got married and basically I've just been relaxing a little bit.
0: (laughs) Cool. Congrats, by the way. I know you just got married recently. So thanks very much. And let's go back to the beginning because like you and I sort of got started online around the same time. And it's really cool. Like our uh, sort of group of people that we came up with, like we all sort of separated, did different things, but everyone did well. And it's, you know, when did you sell Ninja Outreach, by the way?
1: It was March of this year, 2018.
0: Okay, cool. So you worked on that for a while, you sold it, and, but you came from like a lot of people getting started. And I know like Pat Flynn started with like, um, like affiliate marketing and, and some smaller sites. And I think like, uh, Mark Manson and a couple other like big names started with like niche sites, essentially. So tell us how you kind of found your way into the travel area and then that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. uh, So I'm kind of going back to 2012 and technically even before that, but you have to start somewhere. And basically my, you know, my now wife and I had agreed that uh, we wanted to go traveling, you know, backpacker style, kind of quit our jobs, save up some money, go to Asia and just kind of uh, go do that for like a year. Um, And a year, you know, the plan at least uh, became two pretty quickly. Um, And once we were out there, uh, we decided we we you know we wanted to have a travel blog. Uh, it was mainly a way to keep in touch with friends and family, but we also thought in the back of our minds that maybe we could make a little bit of money off of it. Um, at a minimum, we could maybe review some different activities and, and, and places and that would get discounts and that would help us sort of prolong our, our travel budget. So uh, little did I know um, that there was a whole world, probably still is, of uh, link selling, which is when you uh, basically sell um a link on your own website uh my guess is your audience uh knows exactly why someone would want to do this so i won't elaborate too much but basically you buy links on people's website to get you know the seo sort of authority and that helps you rank higher in the organic search engines for particular terms so we work with you know companies like expedia who wanted to rank for cheap flights to miami for example and we'd have to find ways to include that in our blog post um and that was uh that was our first sort of um introduction into you know online marketing, so to speak, working you know online where somebody's kind of paying you and you're doing the whole thing from your laptop. Um and we did that for years. I mean we did that for um probably like two or so years, um and it really um it, it became sort of a way for us to replace our, our previously full-time incomes. Um, to the extent that we thought, you know, why, why go back and, you know, try to get, you know, get a job in the corporate world again? Why not, um, see what we can kind of continue from this? Um, so once we started with that mentality that we wanted to be online entrepreneurs, uh, we started, um, thinking about, uh, new business ideas. Uh, we got in and, you know, we did a few things with niche sites a bit. Um, but I was looking for something that I felt was going to be more stable. Um, because the link selling business seemed very you know, up and down and and very um, uh, dependent on Google's algorithm and where your site's going to get hit tomorrow, and I was a bit concerned about that. Uh, So I started to read and learn more about software, which was um, sort of a business model that seemed very attractive because of the whole monthly recurring revenue aspect, um, but at the same time was something I knew very little about. Uh, but kind of dove in headfirst, and and you know that led to Ninja reach And well, I'll pause there for now because you know that that's kind of two years there,
0: right? And I was gonna say, so it sounds like you did that for a couple years, and um, you and I like met because of my blog and in, in your blog. So you used to have sort of a a marketing blog. Um, is it still out there at all?
1: uh it uh, it is not because uh we eventually um ninja outreach consumed it and we just redirected all the links and traffic and articles to kind of send the traffic where it was valuable
0: <laughs> got it okay and i was blogging at niche type project but the reason why i'm bringing this up is i tell people like if you want to network with people comment on blogs send a couple emails and that's literally what you and i did um checked out each other's blogs like we were writing interesting things and eventually you and I were in a mastermind group with another person for, I don't know, at least, I I can't remember like six months or maybe more. I don't remember. Yeah. And eventually we met. Yeah. We've met uh, a couple of times, right? (laughs) Like I was passing through the Boston area and then once you were coming through Atlanta. So yeah, Yeah. we've hung out a couple of times, which is cool. I haven't met many people online. So, um, so, so yeah, like, Comment on blogs because not many people do, and then send some emails, and you may develop some like multi year long relationship, something like that. So cool. And I remember when you were getting started with Ninja Outreach, and you know, I was like, I don't know, it sounds so complicated. And then, like, you, you went for it, right? So, how did you get involved initially with Ninja Outreach? Did you, I mean, you obviously saw the need because you knew about guest posting and link building. But like, you don't know software, so how'd you do it?
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was tricky. Uh, you know, one one thing was basically so. Influencer marketing was, uh, you know, how do you work with uh, bloggers and influencers to kind of, um, um, you know, build relationships and, and promote your brand. Uh, originally, what I was thinking was, you know, more like content promotion because, like you said, we were blogging, and I was thinking, you know, how can we kind of get our content out there and maybe get it maybe automatically posted in different forums and communities and and you know the, the up, upvotes. And things like that. I started pitching that idea to you know, a couple other bloggers to see if they might be interested in it, and they said that they thought it was okay of an idea, but that they were more interested in some sort of influencer marketing software. Um, and I remember two like very prominent bloggers had said something like that. One was Brian Dean, and the other was Matthew Barbie. And you know, th- those two inputs uh, was sort of the impetus to think about influencer marketing um, and uh, you know what was going on in that space. It was and still is like pretty hot. And um, basically there were some other software at the time, uh, guys like InkyBee and BuzzStream, who, you know, most of which are still around, that had a bit of a, ho- a foothold in the space, but it didn't seem like anybody was really dominating it. So I started thinking about um, – what that software could look like, what you know, what features should it have, and, and sort of how could you know maybe I try to make it work. Unfortunately I, I didn't know any coding and, and still really don't. Um and that was you know the first big hurdle and that's you you know often the one that kind of um uh kind of prevents most people from making the the leap in the software. And I still haven't really figured out a good answer to how to deal with it, but I basically connected with another guy who had a developer friend and he basically, you know, the three of us joined in as kind of equal partners and we got started kind of working and there's a guy named Mark Sams and, and you know, I was a podcast guest um, on his uh, show and then he had a, a friend named Paul and basically um, you know that 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 worked because um, you know if you don't have a developer like a, a co-founder it uh, becomes really expensive like really fast um, so having somebody you know with equity in the business and stuff like that you know what was key. And basically, you know, we started mapping out the MVP. We started trying to get the word out, um, you know, asking people um, were they happy with the software that they had available to them, you know, trying to figure out who was using the competitors and and sort of um, maybe who wasn't the happiest customer and things like that. And I don't know if – I I don't know if it was easier then than it is now. Lately, I've I've also you know done some things with software, and I, I feel like maybe four or five years ago people were a little bit more, I don't know, accessible with email, and maybe a little bit more uh, willing to meet and talk and chat about things. Maybe they just hadn't been quite like bombarded as they have in the last couple of years by you know, a lot of sales pitches. Um, but you know, needless to say, we contacted a lot of people generated some good phone calls, a little bit of buzz, um, did some blogging and just kind
0: of little by little started, started growing. Cool. And with the partnership, right, especially with three people, how did you structure that from like a business standpoint? And did you know, like, did you meet those guys beforehand before you started, you know, transacting and stuff?
1: So yeah, so officially, um, you know, I mean officially, officially, we we eventually made it like a, a C corporation that was in uh America, um, basically in, in in the States, in Delaware, which is a common state to kind of uh make a, a corporation and, and uh they're they're both British, so I hadn't uh I didn't have sort of easy access per se to meeting them. Um but uh we could, you know, basically all own uh one third of the company. Um but But I guess sort of unofficially in terms of, I guess, like division of labor and things like that, you know, Mark and I were marketers and then Gerpal was the coder. His job was very clear. And Mark and I just tried to split um, to do's, um, say, okay, you're going to, you know, you're going to contact and talk with these people on the phone. I'm going to contact, you know, these people on the phone. And in the early days, you know, when this when the business was really quite small, there was more stepping on each other's toes, I'd, I'd say, just because. Um, it was harder to sort of draw a line in the sand about who was doing what, um, because it sort of, you know, it was a small business basically. I mean, you know, it was never like a large, large business, but it was a particularly small business in the beginning as it grew, like that division of labor became like more defined and Mark started running almost purely the services side of the business. And I started working purely on like the software side of the business because, it took on a little bit of a services model like uh, a few years later and he had certain employees that kind of worked with him and I had sort of my guys and in that in that sense it worked out you know nicely um but basically there was a lot of um I guess trust and and sort of faith that we kind of put into it in terms of look I don't really know you you don't really know me but um we seem to share the same vision here, and and uh, you seem like a nice guy, and you know let's let's give it a shot. Um, and I say a lot of people would probably not recommend that approach. Um, it's probably you know failed more times than it's worked, but. I don't know. I had a good feeling about the guys. They seemed all right. So, so we went with it and, and more or less it, it worked out reasonable. I didn't meet any of them, uh, until like three years into the business. Um, even after like it was, you know, things were clearly going okay and things were established. I still just had never really gotten around to meeting Mark, never, still never met Paul. Eventually he did, he did leave, um, and you know, to work on other things. Um, but I did meet Mark, you know, last last year or so for the first time, and yeah, uh, and then uh, not not that long after, we actually ended up sell- selling the business. But basically, um, yeah. So again, it's sort of like the the coding thing. I'm I'm not sure, uh, you know, uh, the probably hurdle number two is how do I find a co-founder, right? And it's another one of those things where I say, unfortunately, I, I maybe kind of lucked into it. It worked out okay. I don't know if it would be like my advice to to somebody else, but. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to go with those types of, you know, opportunities when they present themselves, right?
0: Yeah. And that's super interesting. Cause I mean, I think you're right. A lot more people are reaching out these days. I get a few emails a week, uh, some sort of a pitch. So like, it really has to be good for me to even reply back and not market a spam, <laughs> like to be honest with you. Um So if you can get like a warm introduction and I mean, I think. You demonstrated that with, you know, you were a guest on his podcast. So like oh. you came in with some, you know, experience, you demonstrated value uh, as a guest and then you hit it off from there. So that that makes some sense. Um, and I, I was going to say it's it's interesting. Right. You're, you're right, because I, I don't think it's normal for people to be like, yeah, you know, you just meet someone, you talk a couple times and like you move forward. Um it's like you're getting married, you're starting a business together and then uh like you hope it works out. So, yeah, it's really pretty amazing. Um were there certain pieces like especially in the early days that were like much easier or harder than you expected?
1: Um oh boy. I think in the in the early days um I, I think everything was kind of hard and it was just kind of hard the whole time and it never, ever really got, got that easy. Um, you know, it was – We I, I think we, we found good people. You know, we found good uh, employees to kind of help us um, and – um, you know, mostly like through Upwork and, and things like that, you know, uh, through freelancer marketplaces and we'd kind of work with them and then it, things would go well and we'd kind of transition them into more of like a full-time role. And basically, you know, these, these good uh, employees were just huge assets that really helped the company kind of grow because – I mean, again, pretty much anybody that's worked online has probably dealt with uh, some freelancers that just kind of didn't pan out and just maybe were disappointed and they got burned a little bit. And then some people, you know, that really just say, well, that's it. I'm, I'm done. I'm never working with outsourced labor again. And I think that's kind of, you know, probably a mistake. Um, but we had a couple of guys that we, you know, we worked with in the beginning and they stayed with us like the whole three years, four, three, four years that we ran the company, um, which is I mean, fairly uncommon, you know, when you think about like outsourced labor, usually people like they leave in like six months or something. So I think that, you know, the, the being able to find uh, good help uh, that was, you know, affordable for us, um, you know, really helped us. And then, you know, because uh, often what we do is we would put a lot of work into maybe training people and, and kind of getting them up to speed, we, we'd get them kind of at you know, pretty good rates, um, because they didn't have a lot of experience, but they had like the right attitude. And we teach them kind of the marketing that they needed to know and that we needed from them. And then by the end of it, you know, one, two years later, I mean, the people were like all stars, but but we were paying like probably a lot less than them than maybe other companies would. And I think that was really, really helpful for us. Um, So but we had invested a lot of time, you know, it wasn't like, you know, there there was a give and take there. Um, So I think that, you know, that
0: was one thing for sure. Cool. And do you have any tips for people like hiring on Upwork, for example, maybe um, your application process, interviewing and, you know, the training piece?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's sort of uh, maybe maybe two well, – there's probably many different approaches, but, but one for sure is if you just – you have something that's very specialized and you need a guy who's like he's an expert and you can't really mess around with, you know, training him. So you might need someone to run your paid advertising to do something with, say, Google AdWords. And, you know, there's a lot of nuances there. It's fairly fairly niche, uh, you know, it's his own marketing channel. And you're looking for a guy who's not just going to, like, be learning while he's spending your money, right? And for that, you might, all, you might pay kind of, you know, quote, unquote, top dollar, you know, a, a higher end freelancer and just kind of say, get it done. Um But then there's a lot of other, you know, marketing uh, work that, you know, if the guy has just the right attitude and he seems like he's, you know, he's willing to learn and he's got good command of English and uh, loyal, those types of things, then in, in more cases, uh, you know, th- than one, I'd be willing to kind of bet on that guy train them up a little bit because at the end of the day, almost everybody needs to be trained anyway on sort of specifically what you want them to do and then kind of, you know, continue to work with them and that, and, and in that case you often will find someone at a little bit of a discount rate um, and then they'll, they'll learn to do exactly, you know, the, what what you'd like them to do. Um, you can kind of, you know, giving people a task right away and uh, that represents something that they'll be doing in the future and kind of seeing how they run with it. Um, and if it doesn't go well, probably, You know, unless you really feel like this person has a lot of potential, you should kind of cut them probably pretty soon. Um, And that way, it's you know, there's no overinvestment on anybody's part. Um, You know, they always I don't know what do they say like fire fast and stuff like that. I don't know, but basically, uh, just if you feel like it's not working out early on, don't force it. There's a lot of other people out there, and you just find a better fit.
0: Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people will come up with an excuse and you're like okay what it slide but usually it's like three or so like there's um, always something else and it's very rare like i'll give something like one one chance but if it's like habitual there's just too many people out there that want to work hard and yeah. are not going to be late so yeah yeah i agree um so are there any people that like i guess looking back then and e- even now that inspire you and you're like looking up to and you're like i, I like that path that they are on
1: yeah i mean uh i mean when, there, there is not a person per se that i like follow sort of everything they do but there are certain people that i i kind of look at and i go you yeah, know that looks like pretty neat like spencer haas you know i think is this you know one of those guys that just uh Know, seems to sort of kill it with everything he does. Right. I mean, I know, I know that must not really be the case. He's probably had his, his share of failures like everybody else. But uh, I don't know. Everything from him is like, I started this niche site like four weeks ago and bam, sold it for six <laughs> figures and it's like that type of thing. But I've, I just like that. Um, Seems like a down to earth, nice guy, um, you know, sort of uh, he's always working on a lot of different, you know, projects and, and things like that. He's not particularly flashy or salesy or marketing, and you know he's, with all due respect, in my opinion, sort of an average writer. Uh, but, but he kind of just, yeah, he does a good job, and uh, he, he, he's very transparent and honest with his with his audience. Um, and he, he, you know, he appears to, to do very well on a lot of different projects, and is always trying to try different things. And so he, he's a guy I've like o- over the years. I've probably kind of followed a lot of his stuff more than others even though, you know, yeah, he does, um, you know, a, a lot more with sort of niche sites and affiliate sites and stuff like that, which is not as strong of an area for me, but still always interesting.
0: Cool. Anyone else you can think of? Um,
1: I don't know. There's a lot of guys I've, I think I've just kind of, I, I, I've I, sort of seen a little bit uh, from here and there, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, Sujan Patel from, from Mailshake is another one that, He's a little bit uh, more dedicated in the software space, and he has Mailshake, and he has some other ones. And it, you know, I've, I've talked with him on the phone a couple of times because he was doing Mailshake when I was doing Ninja Outreach, and you know, the two are kind of like competitors, but you know, it's everybody's okay with each other. And mm-hmm. again, always found him, despite the fact that like our companies could reasonably have overlap in terms of customers. Be a very nice guy. Be very willing to help. Um, you know, transparent and honest, and also seems to just kind of uh, just be like a really great entrepreneur. And, and, and you know, uh, has a you know a lot of projects. Seems to do very well, and he's also giving, doing a lot of updates, like personal like challenges, sort of like biohacking type stuff, mm-hmm. like fasting for days and things like that. It's always really interesting.
0: Cool. Yeah, I don't follow him much. I need to check that out. You said Sujin Patel. Yeah, it's uh, it's
1: Neil Patel's cousin.
0: Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I was going to say, I was like, I heard the name before. So I guess that's why. Gotcha.
1: You'll see them everywhere now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. Um, okay. So I've made like so many mistakes like on my journey. Um, and I continue to make mistakes like bigger ones as I go on. So do you have any to share that we can learn from? Yeah. I mean,
1: it's sort of, there's so many, I guess, to choose from. and, And a lot of them, um, you know, you don't, you don't really know. And you know unfortunately uh until you find out and some of them are you know sort of very specific um but they probably uh connect to a larger problem so for example you know early on um with um ninja outreach we made some killer mistakes and i don't even know how we ever got out of it but surely it, it cost us a lot of money and one of them was that um the application was desktop only uh, only for Windows, not even for Macs, so, and um, also used only PayPal, uh, so it couldn't accept credit cards. And <laughs> it was like like three very killer things um, that we did right away. And I have to say that, like, at the time, I thought, okay, I, I, I mostly use desktop. I don't use, you know, um, I, I, I'm okay with not using a cloud app. And uh, I also use Windows, so, okay, I don't you know who uses Macs. And, um, I, you know, I have a PayPal account, so what's the big deal? And, you know, very quickly the, the, your audience will let you know that you've made a huge blender and they say desktop, like, what are you guys thinking? You know, it's, it's 2014, you know, and, uh, windows only, like we use Mac and, uh, sorry, but PayPal doesn't work in this country. Like, can I use my credit card or like the business doesn't have a PayPal account or whatever it is. And, These blunders, you know, so they're sort of like specific from a bit of a technical perspective, but they really relate to just not really, I guess, either paying attention or researching your customer base or your uh, potential customer base early on. Um, I don't even really know how we kind of um, determined that it would be okay to have a a Windows-only app. I think we looked on Wikipedia and we saw that, like, Windows had 90% of the market share or something, uh, which maybe is true. I'm not saying that stat is wrong. But in our market, it was certainly like a 50-50 split. And it was like every other person that signed up said, oh, how do I download this for Mac? And it just didn't work. And then similar with PayPal, just another one of those things that – at that time, this was years ago, but Stripe still existed, and they were they were the the, the go to payment processor for software. And basically, if we had even just put in a, a a modicum of effort to ask another software entrepreneur what payment processor are you using, or ask some of our customers, and any any of this, you know, would have saved us a, a lot of a lot of headache. And unfortunately, once you start to commit to these certain things. Um, the act of kind of undoing it or reversing it is is uh it's you know it's really hard. In fact, even years later, we we sort of offered both PayPal and Stripe uh, because you know we already had PayPal integrated, so why not? And then you know we added Stripe. Um, and while that might seem like a fine solution to kind of offer both, um, it 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 always made the analytics really difficult because people were you know they were stored in different you know uh, backends and how do you track the conversions? And 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 then you'd have uh, tools like metrics that would only integrate with Stripe and not PayPal. So they'd only be capturing like a percentage of the customer base. And it was really unfortunate, you know, and those, so those types of things, I think, um, you know, they represent the larger thing. Like I said, you know, you have to kind of pay attention to your customer base. And if you don't know, ask another entrepreneur who's Doing you know software or niche sites or whatever it is, who's one to two years ahead of you, and be like, hey man, like I'm sure you came across this question, like what payment processor should you use? What did you use and why? And um, yeah, the answer,
0: will be, you know, it'll be very clear. Right. That's I totally forgot. I, I remember now, Dave. Like you were like, hey, you want to try the software? I'm like, I use a Mac. Like I don't, yes. I don't <laughs> yes. know what are you what are you doing? That's crazy. So it and then it was only after you guys migrated over that I was able to like test it out and whatever, like help you out then. (laughs) So damn. So I guess the main lesson there, ask people that are ahead of you, they probably know a little bit more and yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now I know you signed like uh, an NDA and stuff selling the site, but can you share like, just sort of like, um, the scope or how big Ninja Outreach was when you sold it, just to give us some reference point.
1: Sure, uh, I th- I think at the time we were like around twenty or so employees. Um, you know, most of them were were around full time. You know, there was maybe a couple part timers. I think we had you know uh, four or so developers and um, basically you know uh, certainly hundreds of customers. So we were on that size.
0: Okay, cool. And people can extrapolate or make assumptions based on that. But thanks for sharing. I totally understand. Um, So what are you working on now? So after um, selling the business in March, um, you know,
1: it's sort of a weird sort of feeling, I guess, uh, where you all of a sudden like uh, 90 percent of your responsibility is sort of removed and you're not exactly sure like what to do with your time. And, um, I guess the advice I'd give to anybody who might be in a similar situation is, uh, you know, just see if there's anybody, maybe you can try to help because, you know, if you're working on a business or startup, uh, you've probably asked for your share of, of, handouts and help, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, I know that I had, and I, I felt like it was kind of time to kind of give back a little bit. Um, so basically... Uh, I offered to do some free consulting. This was like back in March and that, you know, connected me with one company. Um, their name is, they're, they're called Alpacross. They're a B2B lead generation software and they, they share some similarities with Ninja Outreach. Um, so it's very comfortable and familiar and they've just recently launched like a premium plan. So I've been kind of helping out with marketing on, on their side. And basically that's, you know, that's certainly one thing I've I've been working on. Um, I have another software product that I bought last year. It's called Less Churn um is churn reduction basically helps uh helps software businesses reduce you know user churn. Um that one is like that's like ninja arch like four years ago. Um it, it's almost even like ninja arch like six years ago. Ninja arch didn't exist six years ago. So that kind of tells you <laughs> what stage it's at. Um but basically trying to get that one off the ground and uh and I'll I'll be honest that you know even having built you know you know a, a software business before it ain't that much easier the second time i mean yeah it's just still it's still really hard it's still hard to get you know uh to get you know users and, and traffic and all these different types of things so anyway uh i'm gonna kind of give it the old college try you know for at least a few more months and kind of see uh you know how it goes ninja which was a really tough start in the beginning as well i mean you know we did like a whole beta for several months we launched it like nobody bought you know and we were just oh, okay like now yeah. what um, so you know, I'm not used. I'm not. I'm used to uh, you know things not taking off at like rocket speed. Um, but you know, so we'll see how it goes.
0: Cool. Now, how do you stay motivated, like in the face of adversity, like you're describing here?
1: Yeah, I think that. Um, wh- one real benefit of having kind of uh, done business for a few years and and having had at least a few you know successes or so is, is hindsight. Um, and there you know there were millions of times with Ninja Reach where I was just like, oh man, we're just, we're, we're we're ruined. You know this this is it. You know th- this competitors come out, their things a lot better, or th- these guys they lower their price, or we've getting all this terrible feedback, and it, it, this project is delayed by so long. Um, or well, I've been traveling for like you know, weeks without really proper internet, and I feel like I haven't like done a great job, and and just all those types of entrepreneurial doubts and and kind of hardships, um and you know I mean legitimately you know th- those things you know were you know adversity so to speak, and it was difficult, um but. You know now that now that I can kind of see the end result that like, you know we did build a nice business, you know it more or less went reasonably well and was you know reasonably smooth. We were able to sell it and it, you know we were happy about the exit. And I think now I can kind of look back at all those times and say, well, Hey, I wish I hadn't made all those mistakes with you know PayPal and desktop and I and and you know that I had had the internet for three weeks maybe when I was complaining about it, but you know it didn't prevent us from from you know building something you know great. Um, and so now I, I can kind of say like, oh hey, here we are again. It's another tough time, but you know it's not. Uh, I know that that little bumps in the road, and that's mainly what they are are not enough to completely derail you off course. Um, So that's sort of my attitude that kind of keeps me, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: keeps me going, um, you know, until I'm, until I'm proven wrong.
0: (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, I I heard this analogy that um, it it was about brewing beer. Um, So unrelated (laughs) to what we're talking about, but it was about brewing beer and uh, a beer brewer is like a, like a, a carpenter right like they're going to build a chair and little mistakes are going to be made along the way and as long as you can correct it as you go and it still has four legs and a seat maybe a back that's a little comfortable you're probably <laughs> going to be all right and you don't have to have um everything 100 percent perfect to the micro measurement or whatever so as long as there's not a catastrophic mistake then you're probably okay
1: yeah so, i agree it's doable um,
0: yeah, that's pretty cool. So um, let's see. I'm just looking at my questions. Is there anything I should ask you? And we could edit this part out, of course. Is there anything you could think of you want me to ask?
1: Um, no, I think that's you know this covers the general story you know, fairly well. Yeah, I can't okay. think of any other questions.
0: Okay. Oh, I thought of one other. Um, sure. So a lot of people may be thinking – uh, Dave, you you built this company. You look kind of you know sort of younger. You got a full head of hair, you know, um, no. and everything. But um, you were traveling during this time. So people with um, kids and, and families, and maybe a full time job, they may be thinking, "Oh, you had it easy. You could put in sixty hours a week." But you were yeah. traveling across the world, right, during this four year period. Exactly. So where'd you go? Can you tell us a little about some of that stuff, some highlights of your travels? Yeah, sure.
1: So, I mean, basically, I mean, you know, we were travelers before we were entrepreneurs, right? And and for better or for worse, we kind of um, always try to manage both lives, uh, which is, is difficult. Uh, well, okay, I, I mean, it is difficult. I know it's uh, travel, you're going to whatever exotic places and stuff like that. But it, I mean, I think anybody that knows that that dichotomy of having, you know, multiple responsibilities and that feeling of maybe you're not always doing the best job in both places. It was like that with travel as well. Um, you know, maybe it's not like kids, like you can't just, you know, you could kind of stop it any day if you wanted to. But, you know, uh, regardless, um, it, it did, it was sort of uh, tricky in, in, in that sense, um, you know, but I don't. I certainly don't regret it because we did got to see a lot of amazing things. We went to probably like 60 plus countries or so in the last four years. Um, basically all the continents except for Antarctica. Um, a lot of really good, you know, highlights and experiences and stuff. And you know, kind of like what I mentioned before. I guess with the bumps in the road and. There were so many times I just thought like, you know, it's, it's, this isn't working. Like you, you can, we can't travel and work at the same time and, and sort of pull it off. Um, and again, you know, maybe had we dedicated ourselves 100% to work, Ninja, which would have been bigger, had more employees, bigger exit, et cetera. But, you know, the sacrifice would have been not so many experiences and stuff like that. So, you know, you can do, you know, I mean, you can kind of make it work, um, you know, even with a, a couple travelers, which was the travel blog I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, we started that when we were still working, like, you know, the nine to five corporate job. I just do kind of like nights and weekends and stuff. And the site got built and eventually became attractive to buyers for links and stuff. And, you know, it just takes, it just takes time and you have to be patient. So I think, you know, working on both, you know, doing, doing both things at once is, it is possible. You just have to be comfortable with things taking time. Um, and you know, travel wise, obviously, um, if you are somebody who works, you know, primarily online and, and and how you know can work remotely um, I would definitely encourage you to kind of get out there I mean there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like community workspaces uh, in you know in countries all over the world uh, there's a lot of you know entrepreneurs and expats in, in different communities I was in Barcelona uh, recently there's a bunch of people there um, there's you know different groups like the DC you know, the Dynamite circle which is you know one, one place meant to connect sort of uh, entrepreneurs globally. Um, you know, and, uh, it, you know, it's a good, good way to kind of change
0: things up a bit. Awesome. Cool. Well, where can people find you, Dave? Where do you want them to uh, check out your stuff? Sure. Uh, well, look, if anybody's passing through Philadelphia,
1: that's kind of where we're more or less settled now. And we're always kind of looking to meet, um, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Uh, my, uh, basically my blog that I have now, um, that I'm working on getting a bit more active is Dave Uh, my software that I mentioned is less churn.io, uh, is the, the marketing, uh, B2B lead generation company I work at. And, um, mainly I, I, I'm active just on email, uh, not never been a big social media guy. So, uh, It's just uh, dschneid2010
0: at gmail.com.
1: I I don't, I don't, I I need like a, I I used to have David but now I don't. So
0: I I don't have like a better replacement email. (laughs) Cool. So normally I I would uh, have people, I would like get rid of your email address, but if someone listened to the whole thing, we'll reward them and you can (laughs) (laughs) reach out to Dave. That's fine. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks a lot, Dave. Appreciate your time. And everyone go check out uh, daveschneider.me. And we'll put links uh, to Dave's stuff in the description and all that stuff. So thanks. Thank you, Doug. All right. Thanks a lot for joining me on The Doug Show. I really do appreciate you taking the time. If you're not subscribed please consider subscribing. I have a ton of other episodes out there covering lots of different topics. Sometimes I just tell stories. If you are a longtime listener, I appreciate you too. If you haven't left a review, that is awesome because now you have an opportunity to leave a review and that would be totally cool and I would really appreciate it. If you're looking to get started with affiliate marketing or making money online or anything like that, you should go over to nichesiteproject.com. That is my blog. Once you're over there, you just click the green button, enter your name and email address, and then I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff. I'll send you templates, some motivational emails, and I think there's probably just some random emails that I send out there also. So we'll catch you next time on The Doug Show. Thanks.